0: Okay, uh, we are in the middle of the Beatitudes. And uh, literally, that's Latin for blessings, Henry. Did you know that? So that's where that comes from. And we're going to start today uh, in the Old Testament, the old section of God's book. Genesis 37 says there's a 17 year old, and he was kind of a show off a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And he was happy to uh, tell his older brothers what to do and what they were doing wrong. And he was also dad's favorite. Dad's favorite. Uh, any of you dad's favorite? You don't have to lift up your hand, but do you, you can identify with this guy named Joe. Anyway, uh, you can imagine the older brothers didn't think much of Joe. Matter of fact, it says that they hated and despised Joseph so much... They're thinking, we got to get rid of this thorn in our flesh. Um, so they plot, and they plan, and they decide, we're, we're going to kill him. We're and they're not just talking kill him. They literally were going to murder him. And just as they were about to kill Joseph, slave traders came by. And some of one of the brothers said, hey, don't, don't kill him. Uh, instead, let's sell little brother into slavery, we'll make a few bucks and we'll get rid of this little brat. So that's exactly what they did. They sell him into slavery. Now, Joseph is taken to Egypt, roller coaster ride for 20 years, up and down. He's in prison. Uh, now he's forgotten, but eventually, Jehovah God prospers Joseph. And he actually becomes number two in all of Egypt. He's, he's uh, Pharaoh's main man. So in Genesis 50, when things go poorly with Joe's brother, now they're standing before their little brother. Remember the one they had sold into slavery? Uh, now they're standing before him and they're asking for food and begging for help. Genesis 50 and verse 15 Uh, says they realize they're in trouble. Uh, We're in a weak spot. We're vulnerable. What's little brother going to do to us? Think about it. If you were Joseph now, what would you do? Am I going to torture him? (laughs) Am I going to put him in prison like I've spent a lot of time? Uh, Am I going to make them slaves? Maybe I'll publicly execute them (laughs) in a really ghastly way. They're not sure exactly what he's going to do to them. Uh, but here's what Joseph says. Uh, when they're pretty sure they're they're about to have something awful. Then his brothers came and they threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, uh, we're your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me into this position So that I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I'll continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Joseph took care of them. When when he had a chance, uh, he spoke kindly. He reassures them. He says, don't be afraid. I'm going to save your life. Listen close. That's what mercy looks like. You understand? That's exactly what mercy behaves like. The brothers deserved justice, revenge, law. But instead, Joseph showed them compassion and forgiveness and grace. In a word, Joseph showed them mercy. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're in the Sermon on the Mount Uh, Locate with me on your phone, in your Bible, uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But we're going to look at uh, the uh, fifth beatitude, Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Would you stand with me, please, if you're able? We're going to see today that when Jesus' followers are merciful, God's applause on our lives is bountiful. Ready? Read. Let's let's read. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we don't see much mercy these days. We just acknowledge that. Matter of fact, when we read about Joseph showing mercy, it it looks and sounds strange and and unnatural. We're all about revenge, Lord. That's just the truth. So, Lord, we, we want, we need your blessing, your approval, your applause and endorsement on our lives. So would you show us this morning exactly what mercy is? And I'm asking, Lord, that you might show us where we can begin in your Spirit's power to show mercy to the people around us. Help us to start showing mercy to our family. Lord, help us to begin showing mercy to our friends. Lord, uh, help, help us to show mercy to our neighbors. And Lord, I pray that we'd even be able, in your power, to show mercy to people we don't like very much. We invite your Son, our Savior and King, Jesus Christ, to come now. You uh, you come and take charge. Rule and reign today, because this is your church. We tell you that every Sunday, because we mean it. This is your church. And all the church family gathered at Welland Lake said with one united voice, Amen. you can be seated. First four Beatitudes are vertical in relationship. Track with me. Uh, Vertical, they have to do with our relationship with the king, with the preacher of this sermon, Jesus Christ. They remind us, first four, we're empty and unable to live blessed lives without the presence of Jesus Christ and his spirit working in and through us. Does that make sense? In other words, first four are just reminders. Oh, I'm empty. I'm poor of spirit. Oh, Lord, I, I need to be hungry. For... It, it reminds us we need Jesus daily in our lives. The last four Beatitudes, there's eight of them, are horizontal in relationship. Uh, once we get our hearts and our minds in right relationship with King Jesus... Then and only then, through the power of his spirit flowing through us, are we ready to take proper actions to love and care for one another. So, first 4, vertical relationship between us and, and the preacher of this sermon. The last four, uh, relationship horizontally with other people around us. Blessed are the merciful... For they will be shown mercy. To be merciful, track with me, is to show compassion, forgiveness, and grace to other people. Okay? Mercy is compassion, forgiveness, and grace in action. In other words, mercy is a verb. It's, it's an action. It's feelings with feet on them. It's actually going and doing something about the good feelings that you have towards someone. Uh, Mercy is a willingness to get involved and jump out of our lazy boys and show the mercy to the people the Lord has placed around us. So, question Henry, why, oh why, would I want to go and get involved with messy people and messy situations, you know? I got enough trouble of my own. Why on earth? It sounds hard. It sounds expensive. It might be even painful. Why should I do that? Why should I show mercy? Well, the Apostle Paul, writing to one of his apprentices, um, his name is Titus. He reminds Titus, he reminds us why Mercy is needed and necessary. So if you have your Bible or phone, go to Titus 3. We'll put it up here on the screen as well. Uh, Verse 3 says this. Once, hey Titus, we too were foolish and disobedient. Can I hear an amen? We were misled. We became slaves to any many evil lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other that remind anybody of where you used to be or some of you where we you could have gone if Jesus hadn't caught you early, okay? We all deserve judgment and God's justice. But verse 4. When God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his what? But because of his He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus didn't come with just nice, warm, fuzzy feelings for you and me. Jesus took action. Jesus took on a human form. He left the glory and the splendor of heaven, took on a human body, born in a barn, uh, walked on earth for 33 years, endured all sorts of awful things, took our place on the cross, shed his blood for my greatest problem and yours were sinners, took our place in the grave, and early Sunday morning arose from the dead. Okay, that's action. That's decisive, loving action. Okay, so Jesus left the glory and splendor of heaven because, look at verse 5, because of his mercy. Why should you and I get out of our cozy, comfortable lives and show mercy and grace and compassion on the people around us? What's the reason? Why should we show mercy? It's going to take time. It's going to be effort. At times, it'll be expensive. Why should we do it? And the answer is because Jesus showed us mercy first. That's that's the driving force. That's the reason why we show mercy is because of the mercy Jesus has shown us. Matthew 5, 7. God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. Remember, when Jesus' followers are merciful, God's applause on our lives is Is bountiful. So, we show mercy to others first because Jesus has shown us amazing mercy. Instead of giving us what we deserve, what do we deserve? The answer? We deserve death, judgment. We deserve the lake of fire, Revelation 20. That's what we've earned. That's what we merit. Instead, Jesus gives us mercy and grace, eternal life, Salvation, his Holy Spirit, church family, his inspired book, and oh, by the way, the best is yet to come, Revelation 21 and 22. Do you get it? We deserve judgment, and instead, he lavishes his grace and his mercy on us. Second reason we show mercy to others is because of the boomerang effect. Can we show them a boomerang? I think most of you know what that looks like, but we'll, we'll show it to you. Uh, that, that's a boomerang that you throw, and if you throw a boomerang correctly, what does it do? If you throw it correctly, it, it goes, and what happens? It comes right back to you, okay? Um, that's the idea here. It, if, if you use mercy correctly, it has a boomerang effect. It has boomerang qualities to it. When you regularly show mercy to others, what do you suppose is going to happen? We receive back mercy in return. Galatians 6-7, universal principle of life. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. We will always harvest what we plant. We will always harvest what we plant. If you plant lots of mercy in the lives of people around you, what will you receive back in return? Anybody? Mercy. mercy. Plant lots of mercy. You're going to receive lots of mercy back in return. So revenge, retaliation, impatience, ignore those around you in need. What are you going to receive back? Um, revenge, retaliation, and patience. and people won't care when I'm in need. If you want the people around you to show you compassion and grace and forgiveness. You ready? We must go first. We're first. Followers of Jesus, we go first. And, and then watch, because the boomerang effect will be at work in our lives. Now, I want to show you two sides of mercy, okay? The two flip sides of mercy. One side... Of mercy is Jesus showing us mercy. We're going to look at that a little little deeper. And then the flip side of mercy is us showing mercy to others. Okay? So um, turn in Matthew. You're in Matthew 5, hopefully, with me. Um, Go to Matthew chapter 18. Would you please? Matthew chapter 18. Jesus is going to illustrate for us exactly what he means. When he says, I I want you to be merciful. I want you to be merciful. Start with verse 21. Peter comes to Jesus and asks, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, now he tells him a story, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, verse 24, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions, I would argue, billions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, everything he owed to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the king, begged him, please, be patient with me, I'll, I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. King is owed billions. I, I, I would say $10 billion is an unpayable debt. Would you not agree? What, what do you think? Can you, uh, can you pay back $10 billion, Kathy? Any chance, Myron, if you owe $10 billion, That's a life sentence. That really is. No, you're right. Uh, But the king shows compassion and forgives this billion-dollar debt. Go back to the text with me. Verse 28. But when the man left the king, it seems like instantly he leaves being forgiven billions. He went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, grabbed him by the throat, demanded instant payment his his fellow servant fell down before him begged for a little more time be patient I'll pay it he pleaded very same words he used but his creditor wouldn't wait he had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid Isn't that amazing so so he, he's owed he's owed 10 billion. And the king let him off his hook. And now he finds a fellow servant owes 10,000. No compassion, no forgiveness, no mercy. No, none, none. He has his fellow servant thrown into prison for non payment. Go back to the text with me. When some of the other servants saw, they were very upset. They went to the king, they told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be what? Until he had paid his entire debt. King is angry. King is ticked. Why is the king so upset. Look at verse 33. He tells us, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Don't you remember? I just forgave you billions, and now you throw your fellow servant in prison for thousands. <laughs> I gave you mercy, and you were unwilling to pass it on. That's the principle that we need to grab here, Okay follower of Jesus, Jesus has forgiven us billion dollars of debt because of our sin, because of our rebellion. He expects us to pass on his mercy to others. You got it? He's forgiven us billions, now pass on the mercy to others, and if we refuse, if we don't show compassion, if we refuse to forgive, Here's what happens. Look again, verse 35. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Did you catch that? This this is strong. If we, as followers of the king, who've been forgiven billions, won't let off our hooks those who've hurt and harmed And knocked us down. Said awful things about us. Um, If we refuse to let him off our hooks. He's going to turn us over to torture. Literally he said okay. You won't forgive. Then you will live a life filled with torture. And anger. And bitterness and rage. Poisons. Which will literally kill your heart. Your mind. And your soul. Remember. When Jesus' followers are merciful, God's applause on our lives is bountiful. Now, we, uh, we looked, we began with the Old Testament. We saw Joseph could have retaliated against his brothers. And, and instead, he showed them awesome mercy. Um, locate Luke chapter 10 with me, would you? Luke chapter 10 on your phone or in your Bible. I want to show you mercy again. This, this is how Jesus uh, demonstrated mercy. Okay, first, let's look at uh, mercy minus the action. Okay, this is mercy with feelings, but not a verb. Um, verse 29, Luke chapter 10, the man wanted to justify his action. So he asked Jesus, uh, "Well, well, I don't know who my neighbor is, so I guess I can't do it. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him up. They left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, uh, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Okay? Um, Mercy, no action. I suspect the priest or the pastor, the temple assistant, and the youth pastor, that's what we'll call them, uh, so the pastor and the youth pastor both felt bad for the guy laying on the side of the road. I think they felt bad. He'd been beaten up and left for dead by bandits. I'd like to think they even offered up a quick prayer. Oh, Lord, help this guy. Amen. And then just went on. Because they had a sermon to prepare. Uh, they had uh, Cyber Night that night. They, they just couldn't do it. They, they were too busy, too scheduled, um, too important to get involved and show this man mercy. James 2, 14 to 16, says if you see a brother or a sister who's in need, who needs food or clothes, and you say, well, have a good day, <laughs> be warm, eat well, but you don't take action, that's not faith, that's not helpful, that's not mercy. You understand? So that's mercy in, in action. Now let's see mercy in action. Verse 33, then a despised Samaritan came along. When he saw the same man, he felt compassion for him. I'd like to think the pastor and the youth pastor had compassion. But he went over to him, uh, the Samaritan, and he soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn um, where... Uh, They took care of them. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. That's mercy in action, okay? Samaritan felt compassion. Uh, He felt bad, but the key difference is compassion drove him to action. Difference? Yeah. Uh, It's not just feelings. There's action. He soothed his wounds. He bandaged him up. He put him on his donkey. Took him to a safe place. Seems like he spent the night, because he said the next morning, okay? He's watching over, paid for his lodging, uh, took care of his lodging out of his own pocket. Verse 36. Now which of these would you say was a neighbor to the man who, who was attacked by bandits? Okay, and the man replied, "Well, um, I think the one who showed him what." Okay, uh, we'll go back to verse thirty-second. The answer is right there, verse thirty-seven. Okay, now which of these would you say was the neighbor? And the man replied, "The one who showed him mercy is action. The one who actually did something. The one who loved with action." Notice the end of verse 37. Here's what Jesus says. Yes, now go and do the same. Interesting? Okay, now, now, uh, listeners, now, church at Walloon, I, I don't want you just to feel stuff. Don't just feel compassion and warm fuzzies towards people in need. Now go and do the same thing. I want you to act just like this. Now, this past year, in January, I was just walking along and an eyeball bandit came and knocked me down. Okay? Um, And uh, then again, a couple months later, in April, another eyeball bandit knocked me down. And then in June... A third eyeball bandit knocked me down. In September, four times I was beat up by eyeball bandits. So here's what I need to tell you after this last 10 months I've been the recipient of a lot of mercy. I've been shown so much mercy, and I could just stop and you know, Pastor Brandt stepping up and opening God's word again and again, meal after meal. I'm face down. Denise is racing around to take care of me and Mom. I'm telling you, your mercy has made a massive difference in my life. But here's what I've noticed now there's no shortage of folks all around us who are in need, they're in desperate condition. For us to stop and get off our donkeys and go and help people. Do you understand? There's no shortage of people around us today who don't need our mercy. Now, why do you think the Lord has allowed COVID to sweep across our world? I've been asked that question a hundred times. More specific, why has the Lord allowed this virus to invade northern Michigan? Great questions. My response today is this. Is it possible that Jesus wants us to stop treating people like the priest and the pastor and the assistant and the youth pastor? Is it possible the Lord is saying, I want you to quit passing by people in need And saying things like, oh, I'll be praying for you. Uh, Be warm and be filled. Is it possible that the Lord is saying, when you see someone who's in desperate need, stop. And help that mom at the end of her rope in her time of need. Maybe the Lord is saying, you know, you see that elderly person who's lonely. Go and listen and care for him. See that family who is quarantined. That would never happen. Drop off a meal. In my 40 years as a pastor, never in my time in my life have I seen so many hurting and desperate people. Here's here's what I think the Lord is saying loudly, strongly. Verse 37, last part, uh, Go, church at Walloon, go and be Jesus to hurting, discouraged, desperate people around you. Don't, don't just look at them and, and tell them you're going to be praying for him. Go and do what the Samaritan did, and he gave himself to people who were in desperate need of his help and his love and his mercy. Here's my challenge. Many of you would say this morning or watching online, you know what, Lord? I guess there are people laying around me in desperate need who are hurting and wounded, and, and they've just about given up on life. Lord, would you help me to be on the lookout this next week? Lord, would you help me to be watching for people around me? And then would you give me the courage and the strength and the energy to actually go and help them in their time of need? Now, now I feel so strongly about that question. I'm going to challenge you. How many of you would say, by God's grace, I would say yes. Lord, see my hand. Can I I ask? Who's willing? This next week, Lord, show me somebody or somebody's. Go ahead. Keep your hand up. It's okay. Okay. Yeah, you're all in, and by God's grace, when I see somebody around me, Lord, I'm going to go and do what I can. I realize you might not do everything, but you can do what you can to help them in their time of need, okay? One more time, put your hand up, okay? Now I want you to make eye contact, look around, someone who's got their hand up, and and tell them, I'm going to pray for you, you pray for me, okay? And if you don't know their name, say, what's your name? I'm going to pray for you, and what's your number? And I'll, uh, I'll call you, you call me. And by God's grace, we're going to show mercy. is that exciting? We're going to be merciful people. Why on earth would we want to do that? Why go to all this trouble? Because when Jesus' followers are merciful, God's applause on our lives is bountiful. Matthew 5, 7 God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for speaking so clearly in your book. Thank you for giving us example after example of what mercy is and what it looks like in your word. But we want to pause for just a moment now and invite you to apply this to our lives personally. Show us, show us who around me needs me to act. Who, who needs me to show mercy and grace. And I'd advise you to start with your family. Move on to your friends. Move on from there to your neighbors, to the people you work with, to the folks you go to school with. I want you to know, Lord, I'm available. Help me to notice. Help me to, to pay attention. And Lord, you clearly show me who this next week needs me to get off my donkey and help them in their time of desperation the other side of mercy is someone that we're holding a grudge angry, bitter at someone who's harmed us Maybe it was a $5,000 harm. Maybe it was a $10,000 harm. Maybe it was a $50,000 harm. But Jesus, you've forgiven all of us $10 billion worth of a debt. Not because they deserve it. Not because they've earned it. But Jesus, would you help me to let them off my hook because of what you've done for me? You showed mercy first on the cross through that your shed blood and your empty tomb. Because of your mercy, Lord, would you empower us to show mercy and forgive those around us? Help us to forgive one day at a time. And Lord, if we wake up tomorrow and you're ticked again and and I'm still angry, Lord, help me to forgive again tomorrow. Prayer corner will be open afterwards. If you need some prayer, if you need somebody to lift the burden that you have, make your way over there. I'd love to pray for you and pray with you. Final question. This is life's most important question. Have you invited the one who paid your $10 billion debt to come into your life and bring his mercy of eternal life to you? Have you done that? I want you to know Jesus is knocking today at your heart's door and he wants you to open the door by faith and say, yes, Jesus. I I believe You are the sinless lamb of God, Jesus. I believe you shed your blood for my greatest problem. I'm a sinner. I believe you took my place in the grave. I believe early Sunday morning you arose from the dead victoriously. You did that for me, Jesus. And by faith and a choice of my will, I open the door of my life. I invite you into my life. Wash, cleanse, purify. Jesus, come take charge of these bones. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life, starting now. I say yes. Help us to begin to notice the folks around us, Lord. Help us to get out of our comfort zone. Help us to show love and mercy, even if it's inconvenient and hard and messy. Empower us to do that. We ask that in Jesus' strong name.